Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and this is Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. As a mom of four kids in New York City and a writer myself, I know all too well how short everyone is on time, so I'm here to help. I'm going to interview authors and writers of all types about their work, especially as it relates to parenting and family issues. Hopefully you can listen while doing 8 million other things and fall in love with these talented scribes and their fantastic books, essays, and songs like I have, plus get some tips on surviving parenthood. For more about me, you can check out my essays at zibbyowens.com. Today's episode has been sponsored by Once Upon a Farm. We know you'd love to feed your little one fresh food you make at home, but when there isn't time for shopping, chopping, and blending, we've got you covered with organic, cold-pressed blends as close to homemade as it gets. Onceuponafarmorganics.com. I'm super excited today to be welcoming Jill Santopolo on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. National and international best-selling author Jill Santopolo got her start writing at the age of three with a picture book about Stacy the Cat. Since then, she has become a writer, editor, teacher, and consummate storyteller. Jill majored in English at Columbia, received an MFA at Vermont College, and even attended NYU to learn about intellectual property rights. She currently edits for the Young Readers Division at Philomel Books, an imprint of Penguin Young Readers Group. She's also an educator and has been a thesis advisor at the New School and taught at Columbia and McDaniel Colleges. Jill is the author of the Alec Flint Sparkle Spa and Follow Your Heart book series, in addition to being the author of The Light We Lost, the amazing bestseller that has been translated into more than 30 languages, which we're going to talk mostly about today. Hi, Jill. Hi, Jill. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Thanks so much for being on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This is such an honor that you've come on this show. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So I know you're an amazingly accomplished editor, but I'd like to start today by talking about The Light We Lost basically because I'm obsessed with the book. Um, <laughs> as, you. as you know, I direct messaged you on Instagram after finishing it, and I was like sitting on my bed sobbing and clutching my chest, and you were nice enough to respond to me. <laughs> In fact, you know, the book was moved me so much this morning, I was telling my husband the plot when he asked me who I was interviewing today, and I started crying again, and he was like, wait, oh, no. he's like, this was the fun beach read you recommended to Mike DeFloria last night? <laughs> so anyway. I feel like I need to send you packets of tissues. I know. I'm kind of a, a weeper. I'm like, you know, I cry commercials. But anyway, point is, I recommended it to basically everyone as like the read of the summer. So um, I'm well, super excited to be talking to you about it. So for, for listeners who don't know what The Light We Lost is about, could you give them a quick summary, please? Sure. I'll give a super quick one, um, which is it's the story of Lucy and Gabe and the way that the two of them meet and connect deeply and then what happens over the next 13 years as they come in and out of each other's lives and there are secrets and there are betrayals and there are some sexy scenes. And, um, it's, it's basically a story of love and loss and, um, personal connection. Your depiction of being heartbroken in this book is just so spot on. Um, in the in the little you know discussion questions in the back of the paperback, um, you mm-hmm. had said answered one of the questions that your own heartbreak was actually the impetus for this story. So I was just yeah. wondering if I could totally pry into your personal life and find <laughs> out. Like, could you tell me more about what happened to you that sparked this like beautiful page turner? Maybe something you haven't shared before. Um, sure, sure. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't realized when I when I wrote the story or when I wrote that about this story that I would 
I would get asked about my love life a lot. Sorry, um, sorry. I'm used to it now. No, it's great. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm totally used to it and comfortable with it. Um, because you know what? I feel like part of, part of writing a story like this is, is connecting with people about love and loss and life. And, um, and I'm happy to share. Um, so, so basically I had been in a relationship for about three years and it was the relationship that I thought was going to be, um, the one I was in for the rest of my life. And, and I sort of imagined our future together and, and I was, I was in, I was all in. And then the relationship just kind of exploded, um, for a number of reasons. And even though I probably should have seen it coming, I didn't. And I was, just shattered. I mean, I had never been this much of a mess in my life and, and have not since. Um, and since I'm a writer, the way I kind of process anything is by writing. Um, so I started writing this sort of series of vignettes about uh, this woman, Lucy, who was also going through a breakup and her story isn't my story. And, and, um, you know, she's not me, but I sort of had in her created a kind of friend to go through a breakup with and also a way to kind of uh, explore what I was feeling at that time. So people ask me a lot if my book is autobiographical and plot by plot point, no, it's not autobiographical, but I do like to say it's emotionally autobiographical because a lot of the things that Lucy feels in this book are things that I felt at various points in my life um, and and wrote about them here. And do you feel like the writing helped you? Did it help you through that time? I do. I absolutely do. I feel like it, it gave me perspective. It gave me a way to kind of understand what I was feeling and what I was going through. And it also took about four years to write. So I think, you know, time helped as well. But by the time that the book was done, I think I was in, in a much, much, much better place than I was when I started writing it. So how long from the time of your explosive breakup to right now has, has gone by? Um, six and a half years. Okay, so, so you've got some perspective at this point. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So if someone reading this book um, has a relationship in their past that this book reminds them of, that's as intense and sort of this once-in-a-lifetime type of love like Lucy and Gabe's, what would you tell? Would you tell them to go back and chase after it after writing the story, or do you feel like Lucy kind of made a wise choice in the decision decisions that she made? Oh man, you know, I think Lucy made the only choice that she, as a character, could have made, um, and I think that that's kind of how it is with everyone. Like there are different things that are important to all of us, and I think that for Lucy in this book, her career was also important to her. And a lot of the decisions that she made, she made so that she could further that piece of who she was. Yep. Um, so, you know, I think, I think so much about life, and it's one of the things that I kind of was realizing when I was writing this, is about making choices based on what's important. And I feel like there are some times in your life when you know, like, it's important, it's important to follow this love because I feel it in my bones that this is something I need to do. 
And other times you feel like that's actually not what's important right now. It, this person was important to me for a really long time and, and shaped who I am in various ways, but that was then and other things are important to me now. It's also easier to look back, right, and say, oh, I should have done this at that yeah. time. But at the time, you have the choices in front of you, and you don't have, like, every choice in the world. Like, these, this is what's going right. on. So, Yeah, well, and I, and I think that, you know, we make the decisions we do at the time because they're very much in that moment. I mean, even things like where you're going to go to college, if you're going to go to college, what job you're going to take, you know. You, you make those jobs, you make those decisions at a particular moment in time because of, you know, who you are leading up to that moment. And I feel like the decisions Lucy made, she made because of who she was leading up to those moments. In the book, you talk about hearth fire relationships versus wildfire relationships. And can you explain the difference for listeners? Yeah. Um, so... A uh, wildfire relationship um, in the book is a relationship that kind of just, it makes you crazy. It takes over your life. It becomes the thing in your life that kind of scorches everything else in its path because that's the only thing that exists. Um, and then hearth fire relationships are kind of the ones that are stable and solid and there, but maybe not quite as explosive or, or crazy making. Um, so if you, if you had to pick just one of those to have in life, which would you pick? Can I pick the third one that they talk about? Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) I know the combination. I know, I know. I'm like very black and white. I'm sorry. There's the bonfire, which I think, I think for me is is the ideal where it feels it feels like it's it's exciting and could kind of get bigger and 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 is powerful, but also is safe. Yeah, you know that there's there's the excitement there, but there's also a bit of sanity as well. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. I'll stop talking about your love life now. Um, So, (laughs) sorry. So um, you, uh, you started the book on nine 11 when Lucy and Gabe were in a Shakespeare class at Columbia. And Uh you you were, you have said that you were in a class that day as well. Um, And then when Lucy decides to work in program development for kids TV after graduation, Um, You say, you write in the book, I couldn't help grinning. It was a job I'd been crossing my fingers over for almost two months before I got it. The kind of job that I'd started thinking about soon after the towers fell, after I admitted that I wanted to do something more meaningful than advertising, a job that could reach the next generation and had the potential to change the future. So just a little about me. I was actually in a business school class myself that day, and I had worked in advertising and marketing before school. Um, and then I actually lost my best friend and former roommate on 9-11. She worked in the North Tower. And it made me, it it made me rethink everything as well. And I literally, like when I read this in your book, I like jolted in recognition because I literally spent the rest of my life saying, well, then I realized, you know, if I'm going to die at my desk working, I don't want to be trying to sell Pepperidge Farm cookies anymore, you know, which, which Mm -hmm. used to be fun. But when you have to look at life 
that way. And anyway, that's when I started writing full time for a while. And um, anyway, enough about me. But, um, you know, I had that same experience. I'm sure many listeners did as well. And I was wondering, did you have a a similar change of heart um, or not even change of heart, but just sort of re clarification of direction after after 9-11 like Lucy or was everything sort of a, a clear path for you? I mean, I think it was, it was for me more of a, a reaffirmation, um, because I had always known, I always known that I wanted to write, that I wanted to be involved in storytelling. And when I was in college, I had interned at publishing houses. Um, but I think that I had, I, I sort of had, had reaffirmed after September 11th that I wanted to go into children's editorial, which is my other job when I'm not, um, when I'm not writing, and, and to write books for children as well, and sort of, sort of the, the way Lucy says that she um, that she wants to reach the next generation and have the potential to change the future, I kind of was realizing that you know there are a lot of things in this world that I'm not particularly good at, but one of the things I'm okay at is storytelling, and that if that's the thing that I can do if that's you know I, I can use that to help hopefully make the world a little bit better than it was when I left it or when, when I leave it than it was when I found it um and and that was kind of the moment where I was like all right I want to write books for kids I want to edit books for kids I want to potentially open their minds to different ideas and different points of view and and you know different things that I think are valuable for young readers to know in this world. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of my friends had similar kind of reactions that, that you and I had after September 11th of saying, like, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a journalist, I want to be, you know, a lawyer to help people. I think, I think that, you know, experiencing, living through the experience of September 11th um, especially at 20, 21, however old I was, um, was, was basically a, a big realization for me and for a lot of my friends that there isn't always tomorrow. So, you know, make today count. Yeah. And how, then how did you go from, um, focusing so much on children's books and, you know, writing all these amazing series that you've written and editing children's work and young adults how did you um, drift into writing this amazing book for adults? I mean, I didn't intend for this to be a book. I really intended for it just to be, um, you know, these these vignettes that I was writing to sort of help myself through this breakup. And then I showed the first 30 pages to a friend of mine who's a writer um, and sort of said, you know, I don't really know what this is, but I've been working on it kind of thing, and, um, and she was like, I think it's a novel for grown-ups. And I was like, grown-ups, what? What? I don't write for grown-ups. Um, and then, then I really started trying to finish it and trying to put it together and with that in mind. Um, and, you know, there were sections where my editor had said to me, you know, you actually can push the scene a little bit further. You don't have to stop at the kiss. You're writing for grown-ups. So like, oh, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> Yeah, you had one particularly, uh, you know, I don't know, not X-rated, but definitely R-rated scene in there. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of see me once, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So 
you know, you're this great editor as well. What do you think are the three most important things you've taken from your editing career that you have to make sure to apply to your own writing? Um, I think, well, in, in, in editing children's books, I always think about, um, the fact that my, my goal as an editor is to put books out there that will make kids not want to put them down because I feel like there are always so many things that are competing for kids' attention and for adult attention as well. Um, but I'm, I'm usually thinking about kids and I sort of say, like, I want them to not be able to put this book down because once they do, they're going to pick up something else and get involved in that and, like, they might forget about this book for a while. <laughs> so I was, I was like, thinking about that, too, when I was writing this book and I was like, all right, what can I do with the pacing? What can I do with the structure? to see if I can kind of make grown-ups not put this book down because they have a lot of other things competing for their time as well, and I don't want them to forget about this book. Um, so so I, I uh, wrote it with, with pretty short chapters, which is one of the things that I do in children's books because, you know, if you can finish a chapter in a couple pages, you're like, I yeah, might as well read another one. Why not? They're short. Um, and also to kind of really cut down the words so that I felt like every word that was in this book was something that needed to be in this book. I didn't want anything extra so that that also there were hopefully I tried to at least um, make sure that there are no points in the book where there's just kind of gratuitous lagging stuff mm-hmm. um, that everything is there for a reason, which kind of hopefully propels the reader forward. So I was sort of thinking about those kinds of um aspects of writing children's books and editing children's books when I was writing this one. I think the short chapters really make a difference. Just, you know, being a mom and having sort of a shorter attention span, I feel so accomplished and I can finish a chapter. Um, I know it's so silly, but um, I think you're sp- you were right on with that one. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> um, so where and when do you write? Can you, can you give me like a visual of sort of wh- what it is? Do you write at your desk in your office? Or are you in a coffee shop? Like what's your process like? I basically write anywhere I can set up my laptop and find time. So, I mean, I was on a book tour earlier this spring. I was writing in the airport. I was writing on the airplane. Um, I have resorted when deadlines are really looming to writing on the subway. Um, Wow, that's impressive. pull my elbows in really small. (laughs) Um, Luckily, my laptop's not very big. Um, I write a lot on my couch in my living room. Even though I have a little office in my apartment, I tend to write in the living room, not in the office, which why do I have an office then? I don't really know. <laughs> um, and I also like going on like a, you know, take a few days off and go out. My mom has um, a house on the east end of Long Island. So sometimes I'll just go there for a few days and it's really quiet and write. Um, so yeah, I, I'm pretty mobile as far as writing is concerned. Um, as long as I've got a laptop and some time, there's a good chance I'll be writing something. (laughs) And I saw, speaking of the East End, um, I'm out here as well. I saw that you were going to be, um, one of the authors at Authors Night on August 11th out in Amaganza. Yeah, I am. And I'm also this coming Saturday going to be at um, Book Harbor in Zag Harbor at, I think, 6 o'clock, and I'm going to do a Facebook Live there with um, Tara Price from Bellagist. Awesome. So that's July 31st. 
right? July, July 21st, you'll be up. July 21st, yeah. And then, yeah, August 11th on Authors Night. Well, I, I'll be at Authors Night, too. I'll have a little booth. <laughs> so, That's awesome. So we'll to, yeah, I'm going to do some live podcasts, so we'll see how it goes. Um, and as you were saying about writing on airplanes, I'm trying to write a book myself right now, and I, for a while I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to write the whole thing on a plane. That's, like, the only time when nobody bothers me, <laughs> and I can focus, so... Anyway. Yeah, I kind of hate now that Wi-Fi is available on airplanes because I know. it means I can do other things. I know. Like, it's it used terrible. to just be I couldn't, so I could rate, and I didn't feel bad about missing out on anything. I try to, like, you know, say that the $20 Wi-Fi fee is, is going to prohibit me from from turning it on. You know, like, oh, I do, mm-hmm. I could do it, but I'm not going to because I don't want to pay the money or something. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, but then I learned that also you can use miles to turn it on. Um, and I was like, well, miles, I can just, that's not even anything. That's yeah. not even whatever. No, I mean, I know not that, I mean, I know. I, I'm, <laughs> any excuse it's terrible. To, I'm, <laughs> it's terrible. I don't need more reasons. Um, uh, just one more question about the book. Um, at the end of the book, you had a copy of All the Light We Cannot See on Gabe's Nightstand. And I thought it was so mm-hmm. interesting because I feel like I so rarely see references to other sort of more contemporary books in a book. Um, what made you put mm-hmm. that book in there, um, at the, in that scene? Um, well, I wanted, I wanted the reference, the book reference to be, I wanted the book reference to say something about Gabe mm-hmm. and also to say something about the story and also to say something about the time period that he was writing in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted a contemporary book because I wanted it to be like he's a guy who reads what's coming out, you know, um, as well as classics because, you know, from the rest of the book, you kind of know that he reads a lot of right. Shakespeare and poetry. Um, and I had just read All That You Cannot See, and I thought it was one of the most remarkable books that I had read in a really long time. And I think because it was about war and it was about survival And it was about, you know, the love between people who are not not necessarily um, the the sort of typical love story, but like a, a, you know, family relationship kind of caring about each other. And I just sort of felt like there there were a lot of themes that were in that book that I wanted Gabe to have been reading, um, and that I thought kind of tied into where he was in his life and in the world, um, and also that he probably would have liked it. Yeah. So. And I liked how you also included a playlist of songs to listen to when reading the book or discussing it at the end of your at the end of the book, including um, Bruce Springsteen's "The Rising" and "Homeward Bound" by Simon and Garfunkel. Um, uh-huh. I don't know why everybody doesn't do that. That's such a good idea. What, <laughs> what, what made you include a playlist, and, and how did you pick those songs? You know, a lot of those songs were songs that I was listening to while I was writing the book, um, or songs that I found inspirational at various moments when I was writing the book. Um, but I, I don't even know where I... I think there was someone who had asked me when the hardcover came out, to put together a Spotify playlist um, for the book. And I thought it was such a cool idea. And I think it's on Spotify somewhere. Um, And I liked the idea of trying to tell the narrative of the story through song. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And also through songs that I had been listening to in the years that I was writing this book. Um, so, so I kind of put it together and, and I think, I hope that the song lyrics and, and the song, um, topics and emotions kind of follow the story a bit. Um, but I like doing it so much that I actually have already started one for my next book so that it'll be ready. Oh, that's great. Um, and tell me, uh, I already pre-ordered your next book on Amazon, but before, oh, thank you. <laughs> no problem. Before it arrives, um, t- can you tell me a little more about what that's about? I mean, I read about it online, but for the listeners here and sure. um, so it's called More Than Words, and it's coming out February fifth, twenty nineteen. Um, and it's about a woman whose father passes away, and then after she dies, she finds out all of these secrets that he'd been keeping from her while he was alive. Hmm. And um, those secrets kind of change her perception of her childhood and of her relationship with him and of her thoughts about his relationship with her mother. Um, and then it also changes how she sees herself fitting into the world and and... Um, the kind of choices she makes as far as romantic relationships in her life go as well. Excellent. Um, Can't wait for that. And there are actually two very small peripheral characters in More Than Words who are characters from The Light We Lost because I decided I wanted all of my um, all of my adult books to be in the same world of New York City. Oh, I love that. So, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, a little crossover character. I was gonna say earlier, like, is there any way we could follow Lucy, you know, after? And then I was thinking, I can't ask her. I mean, <laughs> what's she gonna do in a sequel? <laughs> How could she possibly do a sequel to this book? It's like amazing. But um, I'm so glad because I feel like such a connection to your characters. I, I am, I'm eager to see what life hap- what where life goes for them. <laughs> where life goes with them. I've always said that if I did a sequel to The Late We Lost, it would be from Darren's perspective. Mm, interesting. I feel like he's, Poor he's Darren. got a lot he's coming like, at him. <laughs> yeah. Darren's like a total trooper. He's like, <laughs> he has to put up with a lot. I know, poor guy. Um, so are you a fan of photography? You have a, photography plays a huge role in The Light We Lost, um, especially with Gabe and, and the, the show and everything. Um, do How did you, are you a personal fan or did you think that was just a good literary device? No, I love beautiful photography and I'm not, a very good photographer, so I especially admire people who are able to really capture um, emotion with their photographs. Mm-hmm. I took a photography class in in high school, and it was I, I had the best time. But even looking back, I was like, I just I didn't learn anything, did I? Um, <laughs> not the teacher's fault. The teacher was great. I just I don't know. I, I don't have an eye for it, and I wish I did. Um, but I do have framed photographs up in my um, in my apartment and stuff. I think I think it's um, I think there's something about the fact that it is capturing a moment in time in a real person's life, especially when there's a photograph with with a, a person in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's something really really remarkable about that. Yeah, you know, and the fact that you can tell a story with just one image. Yeah. Like, let's just forget writing books. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so what is on your wish list going forward professionally? You have another book coming out. You're still obviously an editor um, and have more and more, you know, great 
children's books coming out, like Chelsea Clinton's book. And um, what do you, what's your, you know, what what's left for you? What do you want to do next? Um, oh, man. I mean, I want, I would love to just keep being able to do what I'm doing. Um, I've, I've loved writing books for kids. I've loved visiting schools and being the, um, you know, visiting author, even though sometimes they think um, my name is Arthur, which is the cutest thing that ever happens. Um, <laughs> and, and sort of, you know, helping kids find their voices and their stories and, and encouraging them to, to, you know, share what they want to with the world. And I love working with authors and, and helping them, um, you know, realize their vision for their stories and, and championing them and getting them out into the world. And I love writing books for adults. I love being able to explore sort of the the parts of life that happen after you're 10 or 18 or, or whatever, you know, where, where you get to think about careers and families and love and parents and as they get older and sort of your place in the world. Um, and, and I've loved, especially with the light we lost, being able to connect with readers who want to tell me their stories about their first loves or, you know, ways that they connected to the characters in the light we lost. So I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. And, and my wish list is I hope people like more than words. I'm sure they will. I can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine that they wouldn't. But <laughs> do you uh, do you have any advice to aspiring writers? Um, I do, and this might sound like very silly advice, but make time to write. That to me, I think, is is when I decided that I was going to take writing my own writing seriously was when I said, okay, I'm going to schedule writing into my week, into my day, into my weekend, and I'm going to write from this time to this time, and that's in my calendar now. And when somebody calls and says, hey, can you have brunch on Sunday? I say, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm busy. And, you know, to make writing a priority and not sort of fit it in around the rest of your life, Mm -hmm. um, which is what I've been doing for a while. And I think that that scheduling it and, and making it a thing that you do that you're responsible to yourself for um, kind of, at least it made me think about writing in a different way and prioritizing it in a different way. That's great. And just my last question, do you believe there's one true love for each person? I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think I think that a lot of us could probably be happy with a lot of different people. Um, you know, I think there are things about Gabe that made Lucy happy. There are things about Darren that made Lucy happy. And there are probably things about other people like the scientist she met for five and a half minutes in the book mm-hmm. that might have made Lucy happy too. And I think it just would have been a different life for her. Um, and, and I think it really was about her making 
choices about what was the most important for her at that moment in time. So I think, I don't know, maybe for us too, <laughs> that, that there are a lot of people that you can find happiness and some people you probably connect with more deeply than others. I mean, I know that's been the case for me. Um, but I think the idea of saying that there's one soulmate is almost sad to me because what if that soulmate lives somewhere else and you never meet them and you spend your whole life not with your soulmate? Yeah. But that, that just makes it feel so sad to me. So, I know. So I feel like there, there have to be lots of people we can be, be happy with so that we don't risk that situation where our soulmate lives somewhere we don't and we never meet them. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry for I'm sorry for putting you on the spot. <laughs> I like that I like that answer. That was good. Um, well, Jill, thank you so much for chatting with me. I really appreciate it, and um, thanks for writing such a, an amazing story that you know really transported me and obviously so many others around the world. So, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on, and I'll see you in August. I'll see you in August. Okay, take care. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Today's episode has been sponsored by Once Upon a Farm Organics. Onceuponafarmorganics.com. Thanks so much.